This year they mean it. Do you mean it? I think we all mean it. Nobody evaluates your life, evaluates a year of your life and looking at it and makes a list of the things that you could change and says, I'm going to change, but not mean it. I think if you say you mean it, you mean it. Now, your actions might not show that, but you do mean it. Even if you say, I don't make New Year's resolutions. Well, at least you mean that, right? We all mean what we say. The truth is, we all want this next year to be better. No matter what this year was like for you, whether it was the worst year of your life and you just want to get away from it, or it was the best year of your life, you want this year to be different. You want it to be better than it was before. The question is, what are you going to do to make it better? The most important thing you could do at that top of that list is to make your relationship with God and with Christ better. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, Brandon, listen, you're preaching your only, this is the only sermon I get to do all year long. There might be a reason for that. But you're preaching your only sermon on, on New Year's Eve at a Baptist church. You've got to say that. It's all about your relationship with Christ. Well, I have one thing to say to that. Duh. See, it always amazes me how somebody comes to church and go, well, I can't understand why your answer is always Jesus. That's kind of like going to see Jeremy at Chick-fil-A and going, well, I expected you to serve Flying Burger or Log Cabin. Now, by the way, all three, that's a shameless plug. All three of those are amazing. If you want to go eat, eat at one of those three places. But it doesn't make sense to go to a place and say, well, I can't understand why you're saying the best thing is what you advertise. If you're a true Christian and you're trying to live for him, shouldn't you think that your relationship with Christ should be the number one thing in your life? That thing, your relationship with Christ can make everything on that list better because God speaks to all of those things. So what I want to ask you today is no matter where you are in your life, whether you are searching for Christ today and don't have a relationship with him at all, or maybe you've strayed away from him so much you don't even know where he is in your life. Or maybe you've walked with him for so many years and you're walking hand with him where he he is. What I ask you today is that you keep your mind open. That you don't close off and say, well, I've heard those passages uh, read before. Or I've heard this sermon before. Or I'm just here to check off my box and do my church thing this morning. If you will keep in your mind open to what God has to say to you, he has something to say to you. And if you leave here without hearing what God has to say to you, then honestly, you've messed up. Because every time God's word is preached, every time God's word is taught, he has something to say to you. So let's just keep our minds open and let's pray. Dear Lord God, I pray that we come to you today. I pray that we listen to what you have to say to us. That God, that we don't let anything stand in the way of of where we are with you. That, God, that you speak to us through your message, not because of this bumbling idiot that's standing up here in front, but because your message is being read, your scripture is being read. We know you have something to say to us individually. God, as a church and where you want us to be and who you want us to be. But, God, also what you want us to do for you, that we make this about you 
And we make this about who we're supposed to be in you today. God, we don't leave here the same as where we came. We leave here with something that you want us to take outside of here. And God, we know that those things, we know that you want to speak to those things. And we know that those things that you call us to do will make this year different as long as we follow your word. God, I pray that you're with us, that you're here today, and that, God, we listen. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Matthew 10, 26. If you do not have your Bibles with you, the Scripture will be on the, on the, uh, on the boards up here. But if you, you, if you're, while you're doing that, while you're moving to Matthew 10, 26, I want to set the scene a little bit. I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on. This is early in Christ's ministry. This is about halfway through. Actually, there's 16 more chapters in Matthew before they even get to where Judas betrays Christ. He hasn't even walked on water yet. So this is early in his ministry. And what we have to understand is who he's talking to, to his disciples here, they don't have, they're not like us. They don't have the Bible to flip forward to, to go, oh, I know how this story ends. I know what goes on here. They're actually living the Bible. They're writing the Bible literally as they go along. So they're listening to Jesus. And what we have to understand is when we're hearing things from Jesus, when we're hearing things going on right here, he's talking to the disciples in two different planes. One plane is he's talking to the disciples and saying, okay, I understand this is what you're dealing with now. Here's what's going on in your life. And here's what I'm speaking to now. But he's also getting them prepared for what he knows they're going to be dealing with later when Christ is not there anymore. So everything that Jesus says has multiple meanings to it. He knows what the disciples are going to go through in the future. He's also at the same time preaching to us. He's saying what he's saying to the disciples right now, knowing on December 31st, 2017, that he knows we're going to be here listening to what he has to say. And he has a word for us. So I want you to to remember that as he's speaking. We're going to look at what he's saying to them and then what he's saying to us at the same time. So let's read Matthew 10, 26. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made new. When he's talking about do not be afraid Understand that where they are in their ministry, he's not talking about being afraid of bodily harm at this time. The disciples are not. Now, they will in the future be persecuted. Christ knows that they'll be persecuted to that level. But right now, he's talking about the things that they're going through daily. Actually, some of the same persecutions that me and you go through. The other thing to understand is this is a turning point in Christ's ministry. Christ is starting to say things uh, uh, that are rebellious the, to, to the people at that area. He's starting to say things like, I can forgive your sins. He's starting to say things like, like, I am the son of God, that you cannot go to heaven except through me. So as he's preaching these things, this is starting to change things for the disciples. They're having to make a decision of, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to follow this, if I'm going to be what Christ is calling me to be right now, this is going to cost me. And the things that it would cost the disciples at this point is it would cost them their friends. Many of them were living life. And if they talk about these certain things, their friends would say, well, wait, you're you're following that rebellious, radical person over here. I don't want anything to do with you. It would cost them their families. 
And understand what that means when it says it would cost them their families. There was no retirement. There was no nursing home at that time. If you got ostracized or you got pushed out by your family, once you became not able to, to, to make a living anymore or work, you had nobody to take care of you. So this was costing them not only right now, but they knew it was costing them in the future. It was costing them business deals. People were saying, well, I know you follow Christ and I don't want anything to do with you. So Christ tells us right here, do not let pride hinder your walk. Do not let your pride and what you're worried about and what's going on hinder your walk. This is an action plan. See, we can do the same thing. We can, we can pull away from our walk with Christ because we're worried about what other people might say or might how it might, it might pull us away from, it might ostracize us from other people. Let's say you're a businessman. And let's say there's a time for you to make a decision or to, to, to make a, a business deal. And they're wanting you to make that decision right now. Well, as Christians, we know we don't need to make a step unless we have God's approval. Unless we need to move forward with that. So we can be ostracized if we say in a business deal, wait, you know, I need to back up and I need to pray about this. I need to say where God wants me to go with this. Now, I know in my head, I know intellectually what I want to do, but I need to back up and I need to pray about this. This could cost you in business. What if you're a college or or a high school student? What if you're in a situation where you need to pray about a relationship you're in? Now, everybody else is telling you, hey, man, you can't do better than that person. Hey, she's beautiful. He's great. You need to, you need to be dating. What do you mean that you wouldn't date, her, date him or her? But for us as Christians, we need to look at it and say, I've got to pray and I've got to get God's approval to be dating that person. It doesn't matter what the outside looks. If it's not the right person for you, God says you've got to make a difference. These actions, what about a parent? What if you're a parent and you have to say, wait a second, you know, I need to back off and, and take my family out of an activity that might keep me out of church on Sunday. What if I'm a parent and I say, no, I don't want to let my kids go to that type of movie. You know what? Other parents look at it and go, man, what's wrong with you? Your kids will look at you and go, mom, dad, what's wrong with you? Everybody else gets to do it. But if I'm making a decision to truly follow Christ... I might have to make decisions that are going to be contrary to what the world says to me right then. And God says, don't let that happen. We let fear of what others think shape our life instead of let God shape our life in a lot of cases. The second thing he says in that, the second part of that is he he tells us, do not be a participation trophy Christian. And we laugh at that at first, but guys, we have an epidemic going on in our world that we've caused problems in our life. Because about 20, 25 years ago, we started this practice of giving a trophy to everybody in the league. We've pretty much said it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter the sacrifices you make. It doesn't matter what you have to go through to achieve. You deserve a trophy also. And psychologically, that makes a big problem. It actually, you have to understand that what you learn as a child, you take forward in your adulthood. If you learn as a child that I don't have to put the work in, I still deserve that, you take it into your adulthood. 
So somebody that takes that might go out and say, okay, wait a second. I deserve that. I deserve that, that, that raise too. I've been here as long as that person has. I deserve that promotion as much as they do. I've been there as long as they have. See, no need to look at how I've performed. No need to look if there's any problems and if that person deserves it more than I do. I've been on the team as long as they have. I deserve a participation trophy too. I deserve the same thing they do. This is causing a problem. We feel entitled and we feel like we're, we feel okay with, we can be contrary with whatever we have. As long as we get something, we don't have to step outside the box. See, this has infiltrated our Christian life. We, we have now let that thought become part of our Christian life. We now look at it and say, as long as in two ways that we can do this. The first way is, is the salvation trophy. As long as I got my salvation wrapped up and maybe a couple of these other people that I love, I don't have to step outside the box. I don't have to talk about what I'm doing. Or maybe we look at it and say, okay, it's instead of the salvation trophy, we look at it as a, the nice little Christian life trophy. As long as I live my life the way I'm supposed to, I don't need to speak to anybody about what, what I, why I'm doing this. I don't need to talk to anybody about what Christ has done in my life. As long as I'm doing what God says in my house, they'll see that it's about that. See, we get to the point where we're fine with just participating, not stepping forward and doing the things Christ tells us to do. The problem is that's completely contrary to what God says. Let's look at verse 27. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What I whisper to you in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. What we have to understand is when he's talking to the, to the disciples here, he's saying, what I speak to you in the dark, what, 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 we, what I whisper in your ear, he's saying, what you've heard me teach you sitting around the campfire at night in the dark. He's not talking about sin. He's talking about in private. What I've taught you here, you need to be telling everybody. What, what has been told to you in secret, you need to talk from the rooftops. See, what we understand is here, this is a declaration to the, to, the, to the disciples to say, don't just live your life the way you're supposed to, but also speak it. Tell people why you live it. If you don't tell them, they won't understand. They won't get the message. And see, we know that it's speaking it because of this. If you look at that, when it says, talk from the, proclaim from the rooftops. Well, we have to understand at that time, the rooftops were flat. They weren't pitched or they weren't angled like ours are. So what they would do, it was a common practice for people, if they had a declaration to make, to stand on top of the rooftops, to stand up there and talk to the people of the city, the people of the thing, saying, this is what I declare about my home. This is what's going to happen in this area, to make those declarations. So the, the disciples, when they were looking at this, they said, we know exactly what you're talking about. Don't just live our life. Don't just go through, hey, as long as me and God got it right, we're fine. He's saying, step up and tell people, no, I do this. When somebody comes to you and says, man, how is your family different than mine? It's because it's of Christ. Why, why, are, why are you more achieving in your, in your education and the things in your life? Why are you doing that? Because God has blessed me with these things. And by doing this, he says that he'll, he'll give me more. 
So we have to understand that God here gives a declaration to us to go forward, not just be on the team, but to lead. And he's talking to us in the same way of saying, go back to that verse real quick. In the same way of saying, tell in the dark, speak in the daylight. When he was talking to the disciples about, you need to say what I've preached and what you've heard. Most people haven't heard it. Or what you've heard from me about on the campfire. He's saying, look, as us as Christians today, he's speaking to us. He says, what you've learned in your quiet time. What you've learned in sitting in a sermon and hearing from a pastor that's put time into, into making that sermon, what you have learned through praying and God speaking into your life, go and talk from the rooftops about that. I have a great friend of mine that, that has made a big change in her life. And she knows what was going on before she made this change was not what it needs to be. And she told me the other day, I have no problem with telling anybody what's going on in my life. I'm not ashamed of it at all. So you don't hear that very often with somebody that makes a change in their life. Most of the time it's like, I'll keep it to me, but you know, if we just have to, I'll talk about it. When I feel comfortable, I'll talk about it. But to truly say, wait a second, there's been a change in my life. I want to tell everybody. I want people to know what's going on. Man, that is a major change in your life. And that's truly following what God calls you to do. So he's talking to you just like he's talking to the disciples. What you've heard, what you've learned, what's going on in your life, speak truth into other people. Talk to them about what's going on in your life. So, why? Why should we do this? Why should we have conversations that are awkward? Why should we step out and talk about things? Why should we bring our relationship with Christ, number one? Because you know what? It will cause problems in your life sometimes. You might lose friends. You might, more than time, most people don't talk about their beliefs or they don't try to talk to somebody about becoming a Christian because they don't want the awkward conversation. They feel like, oh, I won't know what they, it's selfish. It's about me. So why should we even go through that? If God says, okay, salvation is yours, you have that. Why does speaking for and doing that, why is that important? Two reasons for that. Number one, fear of God. Let's look at this real quick. Read verse 28. Verse 28 says this. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We've lost a true fear of God. Now, you need to understand when I'm talking about fear of God, I'm not talking about an earthly fear. I'm talking about heavenly fear. And what he's talking about here is more of an awe of God. See, an earthly fear is, I know you have the power and you have bad intent on me. So I am scared of what you will do to me. Me and Braden, we hunt in Kansas. And in a place that we hunt, it has a cougar on it. Now, I'm not talking about the cougars here in Louisiana that nobody's seen. Nobody knows where they are. They just said, yeah, one time I saw one. I'm talking about one we know, we've seen, we have heard, and we have pictures of it. So we have proof that there's one. Everything that I've read about these things, they are bad news. You, you don't know that there's a problem until it's too late with one of those most of the time. They like to attack you from the back. So I am fearful, earthly fear of that. That's why I wear my pistol at all times when I'm there. Now, Braden's not old enough to have a pistol, so hopefully God will protect him. So, so no, we, we, just try to, we just pray he can run fast, all right? But, but that's an earthly fear. God's not talking about that fear. He's talking about the fear of knowing what God could do, knowing that he is more powerful, can take care of. He's pretty much saying, guys, y'all are scared of these guys that can just kill you. 
And by the way, he knew that this was going to happen. The, the, the disciples didn't know that at that point. He says, you're worried about what they can do on earth. You need to understand, I can not only do that, but I can do so much more. I have your eternity in my hands. So why would you be scared of them when you've got me on your side? You need to be in awe of me to the point that I want to follow through with what you call me to do because of who and how strong and how big you are. So we need to have a fear of God and what he is, and that's going to cause us to move forward and have those hard discussions, to talk about things. Second reason, and the one that just excites me more than anything, God loves you. I want to do these things for Christ because he loves me. He loves you. He is the God that has life and death in his hands and he loves you so much that he's done so much that he wants to be involved in your life, that he's given you salvation when you didn't, you didn't deserve it. Let's look at the verses here. Verses 28 through 31. 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Okay, wait. No, 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You need to understand at this time, the sparrows was the lowest form of food. Yes, they ate sparrows. And you could buy two sparrows for one cent. The smallest currents that they had, you could buy two sparrows for one cent. So what he's saying is, not even those sparrows that to them had no value at all. No value. Not one of them's going to die without God knowing about it. Without his hand. He cares so much about those sparrows. Something that the disciples cared nothing about. Man, we don't even eat those. Yesterday we ate a big... Uh, chicken that was roasted from uh, from um, from Super One. God, those are good. We fed our whole family with a six dollar chicken, and I'm sitting there picking off more chicken off of it, going, "Man, I, I, this is great." My wife's like, "You can't get any more." I can get some more off this thing. It tasted so good. That that's a little chicken that fed. Imagine what a sparrow. You're not getting anything off that. And God says, I love that sparrow. I care about that sparrow to the point that he can't even die without me saying it's okay. And then he says, guess what? Not only do I love that sparrow, I love you more than that. I love you so much that I've numbered every hair on your head. Many of you, I've been going to church. This is absolutely, by the way, tomorrow is my 10-year anniversary of being here. I've known most of you my whole life. And I've been serving here for 10 years. I know how much you love those around you. I know how you as spouses love your spouse. I know how much you love your friends. I know how much you love your kids. But I promise you, you don't love your kids or your spouse as much that you could tell one hair from the other on their head. Now, some of those, you could say one gray one, one black one. You could see those. But I'm talking about you couldn't tell one from the other. God says, I love you so much. I know so much more about you that I can tell one hair from the other. This is a God that has the power of death, of resurrection, of anything that goes, making this universe. And he says, I loved you so much. How much did he love us? Well, let's look at verse, see, we have the ability to move forward in scripture. They didn't at that time. 
We know John 3.16. Let's look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's two different things that talks about how much he loves. He looked at you and says you don't deserve it. There's no way you can earn it. There is nothing that you can do that has anything to do with this. But I love you so much, I'm giving you my son and giving you an opportunity to connect back up with me. He gave you. Do you understand the word gave? You have nothing to do with this. Here is your gift. All you have to do is believe and do what I've called you to do. I love you that much. It's not like, oh, you're good enough, so let me do this for you. He loved you so much that he gave you his only son. Man, that tells me I want to do everything I can to spread his word. I want to do everything I can to let other people know about that because he loved me so much. Just the fact that there's that connection with me and him. If I want the list that I have at the end of my year next year to be different than the one this year, if I want to follow through with all those things, the first thing I need to understand is I've got to follow God because I fear him and because I love him. No matter what that discussion is, I've got to move forward because I fear him more than, not, than, than what somebody else might say. Let's look at the last verse in, John, in Matthew. Matthew 10, 32 through 33. This is how important it is to do what he calls us to do. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do you understand what's at stake? Do you understand what's going on here? He's saying, look, this is not just following through. This is about acknowledging who is in power and who has given you what you've you've got. It's about spreading my message because there is something at stake. If you're willing to say, Jesus is the reason that I have everything. Jesus is the reason that everything on my list gets done. Jesus is the reason that I can be who I'm supposed to be. I need to understand that that follows through with salvation. I can know where my eternity is. But it also says there's something that's very scary. If you don't acknowledge him, there's two ways to not acknowledge. One is to reject. I, I just don't want to believe in that. I don't care to believe in that. But the second is to not know, to not give the acknowledgement of what it is. To say, hey, I'm doing this because I'm smart. I'm doing this because of things I've been through and the things that I've learned. So I'm better at 30-something than I was at 10. That's not acknowledging. Acknowledging is not just, see, as Christians, we think as long as I just don't say, oh, I don't believe in God, then I am good. Acknowledging is also living your life and giving him acknowledgement for what you are living. Saying that I have all these things, not because I'm smart, because I'm good, because I did my list this year. I have all these things because Christ loves me. He has all the power and he chose to give that to me. So I'm going to follow through and I'm going to tell others about that. You know, one of the things that I'm going to do this year is I'm going to make sure every, I'm going to pray that God never lets me walk away from a situation that I could tell somebody about that love. I'm going to pray that if I can follow him in everything I do, that I will be able to give him the glory for that. Because you got to remember, you doing your, what do they call New Year's resolutions is not about you. 
As a Christian, it's about being able to say, I did this because I follow Christ. I did this because he blessed me. I did this because he is who he is. It's not about you. If you're trying to do it for you, you will always fail. Like the guy on the thing says, I fail miserably. But if you are looking for him for direction, you'll be more confident in your directions. You'll know what your directions are. And you will know that when I get through, I did everything that God called me to do. And guess next year, I'll make a new list of what he's calling me to do. But I will be confident in what I need. If you want to make your list what it's supposed to be this year, follow him. Make your relationship with him better. How do I do that? Number one, I make sure I have a relationship with him. I can't tell people that God gave this to me if I don't have a relationship with him. I can't tell him that he directed me in my life if I don't have a relationship with him. So the first thing is, I need to make sure I have a relationship with him. Get that set up first. If you want to make sure that you have that, if you've ever questioned if you have that, we want to talk to you about that. We want to help you in developing that relationship. The second thing you do is develop the relationship. We all know that's reading your Bible. That's doing things. But part of developing that relationship is learning to walk in the things he tells you to do. To not just say, I'm a Christian, I come on Sunday, I'm good. But it's saying, okay, what does he want me to do with my life? What is my direction? What does he want me to do this week that will make me closer to him? The third thing is, talk to others about Christ. Don't ever let that time, don't ever let that go. Don't make it just about me and my four. It's me, my wife, my kids, I'm good. Actually, I have five, so I probably left one of my kids out. So since Josh, take care of Brayden, okay? So... And don't let your ministers make that. You as a parent do that, by the way. Just a little plug. But don't let time go by without people knowing about Christ. Don't let them not be able to give him acknowledgement for that. If I walk those three things through, I know that I will be closer to him. And that, what that means is not only will I be able to work through my list better, but I will get to end the year going, I'm closer to Christ. How many of you, by raise of hands, and I'm going to give you time to raise it, because I'm not like Chris. I don't ask a question. Go, well, y'all want to raise your hands. I'm going to give you time to raise your hands after I ask the question. How many of you want a closer relationship with Christ on December 31st, 2018? Raise your hand. Starts today. It starts with, if you need to come down here and talk to a minister coming down and talking to a minister. If it, if it means coming down and joining a church, if it means coming down and joining a church, that's important. If it means being baptized and publicly acknowledging, hey, God's got my life. No matter what it is, I'm going to do it. Do that. If it means learning how to read your Bible and to do those things, it means do that. I said something 10 years ago at my first sermon. And I said, the one thing that we should be doing more than anything in this church is replacing the carpet right in front of these. We should have to be coming at business meeting as many times as we can. We got to replace the carpet. It's worn out. We should be hitting our knees and saying, it's not about us, God. It's about you. What do you want us to do? Even if I think everything's fine, I should be here on my knees going, okay, what do I not know? What about that person that I know that doesn't have you? I need to pray for them. What do I need to do today? What do I need to do this week that's going to lead me to being better, to following through? Don't let fear of what people think or what you think keep you from coming and connecting to God. Now, this is the greatest place to do it, but you can also do it at your bed at home. 
But if you need to speak to somebody, you need to talk to somebody and work through what's going on in your life, come forward and do that today. Let's pray. Lord God.